you. You know, we're in 1 Kings chapter 8. What we're going to be looking at today is this time period whenever King Solomon had finished completing the temple of the Lord. And how many of you know that whenever the, the, the temple of the Lord was done, it wasn't done yet? How many of you know that when, when the last brick was laid, it still wasn't complete you know, you could have all the decorations. They might have had even some nice banners on the wall, flowers, trees. They had everything done. The floor was laid. The temple was complete. The last brick was done. You know, if you've ever done anything, you touch up the paint here, there. You do this, you do that. And when the temple was done, it still wasn't done. You know what was not there yet? God. God was not there yet. It, it, it was a home, but it wasn't a home yet. It, it, and it reminds me sometimes of how people are today. They, they, you know, the, the Bible says that we are the temple of the Lord. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so many people, so many people, they might have the bricks, but they don't have the presence. I want you to know today that God wants to inhabit your life. God wants to live in you more than you've ever thought of. You see, this is an amazing truth about God. Even whenever he commissioned this temple to go forward, it showed, it showed God's desire to dwell with man. You see, the amazing thing about God is he is outside of time. He's outside of, of matter. He's outside of space. He's an eternal being. And yet he created us, and he desired to dwell with us. And so when this temple went forward, just to keep in your mind that even when the last brick, and it took a long time, it took seven years, it took a long time to build this temple. And when it was the last brick was done, they knew it still wasn't done. They weren't satisfied with an outward appearance. They weren't satisfied with having a pretty building. How many of us, you know, sometimes today, we, we're, we're satisfied as long as the building's pretty. As long as everybody thinks the building's pretty, as long as everybody thinks that we have a nice religion, it's all right. But they weren't satisfied with an empty house. Are you? Are you satisfied with an empty house? Are you satisfied with that void in your life? Because God's not. God will not force you to receive him. He invites you. He invites you to receive him. He invites you to seek him. He invites you to get down on your knees to seek his face. But he will not force you. But when sometimes we got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired to get up and do something about things. Sometimes we just get sick and tired of not having what we truly need. And what we truly need is not cars or houses is not spouses or children or clothes. What we truly need is God. If we truly need God, we will truly find God when we seek him with all of our hearts. But it is incumbent upon us as believers to not be satisfied for an empty house. If you're listening to this right now and you, 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 that resonates with you, I want you to know God's not satisfied God wants to give you more than you've ever had. He wants to be more to you. Look, there's more than what you have right now. The Bible says that, that when the Holy Ghost comes, there will be times of refreshing. Some of us had not been refreshed in a while. 
Some of us have lived in an empty house for too long. You've been going through the motions and trying to find joy in people, trying to find joy in places or in things. But God is the only one who can satisfy the heart of man. The heart of man has to to find its foundation on Christ and Christ alone. So let's look at this in 1 Kings chapter number 8, beginning in verse number 9. Verse number 9, it says, There was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone which Moses put there at Horeb. When the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel, when they came out of the land of Egypt, and it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister. Because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. See, when the glory came down, the ministers came down. They couldn't stand. And so, you know, sometimes we get so caught up in life, we forget the fact that God's presence is real. And sometimes we need to seek His face so much that He drives us to our knees. You, you may not see a cloud like they saw, and you may not see ministers like they saw, and you may not see the Ark of the Covenant like they saw, but I want you to know that we stand on the, on the tip of a better covenant today. We stand and can come before God not because of the blood of an animal, but because of the blood of God incarnate. The blood of God incarnate gives us the ability to come boldly into his presence and be there with him. And, and it was that, that manifestation of the glory of God. And look, God's not on retirement. God's not on, you know, maternity leave or he's not on, you know, some family leave somewhere. God's not gone. He's still active in the world today and he's still active in the life of believers. But notice that it, it, the, the temple wasn't complete until God was there. It wasn't complete until God was there. How many of us today, we would just be satisfied with that empty building? Because an empty building, when people drive by, they think it's just a pretty building. That that building had it all together. That building had it all together. It was the most beautiful building in all the land. The best of the best. Hiram, he came and helped lay every brick to go everywhere that God had dictated it to go. But aren't you glad that they weren't satisfied? They weren't satisfied with a pretty building? It was a landmark. It was a treasure. Everybody that walked by, they knew that was the temple of God. But it wasn't until God was there. And you're supposed to be the temple of God. But you're not until God is there. Until God is there. Look at these next two verses. It says, Then spake Solomon, The Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. I have surely built thee a house to dwell in, a settled place for thee to abide in forever. Now, what's amazing is we know throughout history that there was a point in time when this temple was destroyed. It's not there. It's not standing right now. Dome of the Rock is there right now, which is blasphemous in and of itself. 
But what we see, though, is that God's desire was to dwell with his people. Do you see that? His desire. Now, David, David was the one that wanted to build the temple. You remember what God told David? Your hands are too bloody. Your hands are too bloody. Somebody else has got to do it. Somebody else has got to do it. You know what that represents? That shows us that if we want to, to house the Lord, it can't be our own effort. It can't be our own ability. It's got to be that baptism from God. It's got to be that enduing that comes from God. That presence from the Lord has to come down upon us. We can't do it. God must do it. You see, the, David represents our old man. David represents our old nature, that, that sinful man that was continually rebelling and continually in sin, and he was not allowed to build that temple. But Solomon was, which represents the new man, represents the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, this promise continues on as you go down throughout the history of Israel, and we're not here for a book report, but as you go down through the history of Israel, you'll see that this temple, although God said he would dwell there forever, the temple was destroyed because God's people turned away from him. The temple was not destroyed because God got impotent or God fell asleep and let somebody in. The temple was destroyed because God's people turned their back on God. When God's people turn their back on God and begin to commit sacrilege, and I'll give you this word of warning, Israel always worshipped. They never stopped worshipping. The problem was they worshipped golden calves, they worshipped the moon god, they worshipped cows, they worshipped frogs, they worshipped everything, high places, low places, anywhere and everywhere, they was a worshipping people. They, they, whenever they worshiped God, they had good seasons. But whenever they worshiped the things of the world, they had bad times. And God didn't put up with it. God tore the temple down. He had it torn down. But I'll, I, this is a word of warning. Just because somebody sings a worship song doesn't mean they're worshiping God. Just because somebody, you know, has a worship concert doesn't mean they're worshiping the God of the Bible. The Bible clearly, Paul clearly teaches that there's another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. And if we're undiscerning, we will be worshiping a different Jesus than the one that is revealed in Scripture. The Apostle Paul clearly tells us this. So we must have some kind of discernment to know whether we're worshiping God or not. And how do we know? If it lines up with the word. It's got to line up with the Word, and it's got to line up with the Spirit of God. So let me show you. If you'll turn, turn in the Bibles with me to, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. So many people will settle for the house with no life in it. So many people would rather have the appearance. Because here's the thing. The presence comes with a cost. The presence comes with a cost. God's not going to allow you to carry his presence anywhere and everywhere. Because God's holy. And, and God is the one who sets the standard, not us. 
the our generation, truth is my truth. You don't tell me what to do, and I won't tell you what to do, and we're just gonna we're just gonna agree. That's the world in which we live, and that's why our society is as fallen as it is right now. We live in very perilous times where people are making their own adventure. It used to be a book that you could get a long time, long time ago when I was a kid. It was at the end of the chapter, you could pick which way it went. If you want it to go this way, turn to page 70. You want it to go this way, turn to page 39. That is the epitome of our generation. Our generation says, I'll worship God the way I want to worship God, when I want to worship God, and how I want to worship God. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to do. And especially, do not tell me that I can't be a Christian and still approve of abortion or homosexuality or any of these other ungodly things that are infesting our generation. What we see is a people who are making their own way, making their own truth, and they're making shipwreck of their faith. That's what we're seeing. So truth is God. God is truth. Truth is God. But this generation is making their own truth up. This generation is making their own truth up. But what I wanted to show you is it's not, it's not anything new. Israel's been doing this since time began. Israel began making their own truth when they made the golden calf. And look, while Moses was meeting with God, the people of Israel were meeting with devils. And, and you see the same thing in the church world today. You have some people that are meeting with God, and you have some people that are getting caught up undiscerningly with devils. Some people are just, if, if somebody labels worship on anything, people will go to it. And, and it's getting worse the longer the Lord tarries. We live in perilous times. The Lord is jealous. He's jealous. If we, if we begin to walk away from the truth of Scripture, we might find that there's no presence of the Lord in our lives. Watch this. In John chapter 14, verse number 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, I will love God the way I want to love God. That's not what Jesus said. He said, if you love him to keep his commandments, they're not grievous. It, it, it would be very, um, it, it would be very um, hard to say that God's commandments are grievous when he's been so good to us. You know what? It's with joy that we serve. We don't serve out of duty. We serve out of joy. It, you, you, don't, you don't love God because he's standing over you with a whip, cracking it on your back. It's because you see that he gave his life on Calvary for you. It's out of love. Look, we love him because he first loved us. We don't love him because he makes us love him. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And if you're not loving God today, you need to open your eyes to the fact that he first loved you. He loved you so much that he was willing to shed his blood, and you don't understand the value of that. 
because God didn't have to step off the throne and come to this God-forsaken world and allow men that he created to abuse him, spit on him, and crucify him. But because he loved you, he allowed that to happen. He allowed himself to be abused and maligned for you. Why? Because he wanted to dwell in you. He wanted to dwell not in a temple made of hands, but a temple made by the Holy Ghost. He wanted to dwell in you. He's not willing and not desiring to just stay in a temple that people go and tour once a year but to dwell in you, to live in you. That's his desire. Look at this next verse. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. This is that promise of his presence in your life. It's the promise of his presence in your life. Now listen to this. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now, a couple of things I want to point out on this scripture. It's so foundational for you to get this. The world cannot see him, so they won't believe in him because the world cannot operate by faith. The world has to see something in order to believe it. We believe in order to see. Completely opposite. The world has to see something to believe it. We believe it in order to see it. Once you believe, the Spirit of God will open your eyes. Once you believe, the Spirit of God will begin to open your eyes. But look at this. It says the world cannot receive him because it sees him not, neither knows him. The world cannot receive this spirit of God. Can't. You know, the only thing that's going to preserve the church in the last days is the spirit of God. You're not going to be able to lean on a denomination. You're not going to be able to lean on pastors and teachers. You're going to have to lean on the Holy Spirit in the last days. The last days are perilous. And, and, and Jesus said if he didn't come back, people may not even, the, the very elect may fall away. The last days are going to be very discouraging, very dark, because men keep putting their hopes in politicians and in kings and in princes, and it's bound to fail you. You can't put your hopes in a political party. You can't put your hopes in a country. You can't put your hopes in a denomination. You can't put your hopes in men or men's organizations. It has to be in God and God alone. God won't let us fail, but men will because men can't help us. Men can't help us. They give us the promise of a better life. They give us the promise of a relaxed life. They give us the promise of life. And I wanna, I'm going to show you in just a few minutes that that is the very thing that's going to cause so many to destruct in the last days. So look here. It says that, that they, don't, they can't see him and they don't know him, but you know him. Now he's talking to the disciples on the front side of Pentecost. The front side of Pentecost is where a lot of people live today. 
just to be honest. The front side of Pentecost is when you know, but you don't have. When you know, but you don't have. That's the front side of Pentecost. He said that you know him, but he will be in you. And see, this is that promise of 1 Kings chapter 8. This was that, that thing that changed the course of Israel's history. The high point. Think about this. Israel went a long time without a king. Long time. And, and once they desired a king so that they could be like everybody else, they got a bad one. And then they got David, the one with the bloody hands. Then came the high point of their, their life. They got Solomon. They got the temple of God. And God inhabited that temple. God inhabited that temple. And yet they lost it. Like grains of sand, it ran through their fingers. They had put their hopes. They had put their hopes in the wrong thing. They had put their hopes in the wrong thing and like grains of sand, it just ran right through their fingers and they lost the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant was taken away or hidden, whichever story you want to believe in Jeremiah's day. And the temple, look, the temple was never the same. Never the same. It was gone. They rebuilt it. There's, where's the Ark? There's no Ark today. The Ark represents the presence of God. And there's no Ark today. Why? Because God was going to do a new thing in a new covenant. Watch. The world can't receive the Holy Spirit. The world can't receive the Holy Spirit. And a lot, if you're honest, a lot of people don't want the Holy Spirit. A lot of people don't want the Holy Spirit because they're comfortable in the way in which they live. A lot of people are, they, they just want to get close enough to the courthouse, but they don't want to go in. You see, one of the things about the nation of Israel, whenever uh, Moses was meeting with God, the people wanted to go meet with God too. Moses took them up to the mountain. The closer they got, the lightning started clashing, thunder started going, the cloud came down on that mountain, and they got scared. You know why? Because God will separate flesh and spirit. Just like the, the sword of the Spirit in Hebrews chapter 4, it says it discerns right down into the quick of who you are. The, the same thing is with God. You can't get in God's presence and lie to his face. God separates fact from fiction real quick. And when we have things in our life that we're not ready to let go of or we're not ready to, to seek forgiveness of or we're not ready to repent of this thing, we're not ready to change this lifestyle, we're telling God, you can have everything else except for that. And that's where many people stop. Many people say, you can have everything else in my life, but don't touch my whiskey, or don't touch my cigars, or don't touch my pornography, or don't touch my movies I shouldn't watch. Don't touch my mouth. Don't touch my temper. Don't touch my this. Don't touch my that. And that's why many people fail of having God in their life. That's why many people fail of having their lives a, a temple of God. I want you to know that it's better to surrender all than to surrender some. Surrendering some is in lukewarm. It would, it would be foolish if we sung that song, I surrender some. 
we would see how foolish it is if we sang, I surrender some. But God will not inhabit a house that only surrenders some. So who's the fool? We are when we surrender some. When we surrender all and we lay that last brick, that last bit of repentance and that last bit of forgiveness, that last bit of repentance, and we just lay every brick and then we say, okay, God, you can have it all. Then God's presence will come. Not until then. God didn't inhabit that temple until the last brick was laid. And in our lives, in our lives, he wants every last brick for him. Every last brick, every memory that we've had, every act that we've done, it must have God's hand on it. If there's things in our life that are important to us, we need to submit and surrender those things to God. Maybe there's things in our life where we feel guilty of things we've done in the past. Well, look, we don't need to stop and pass go anymore. We need to get on our knees and seek forgiveness over those things, get them under the blood, and get God back in our lives. I'm telling you, the last days, we need the Holy Spirit like never before. The Spirit of truth is what the Holy Spirit is called. The Spirit of truth. He leads and guides us, God's people, into all truth. When we need truth, it's the Holy Spirit that we need. He separates fact from fiction, just like God Almighty does, because he is God. And in our lives, the Holy Spirit, listen to this, the Holy Spirit will lead you in the last days. If the Lord tarries and we go through these last days, we're going to need the discernment that comes from the presence of God like never before. People will lie right to our face. People will lead people astray. The blind will lead the blind. Look, right now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see it. People just label worship under everything. We have churches where sodomites are behind the pulpits or in the choir. We have people that are um, known in witchcraft writing worship songs that are sung in churches today. We have all kinds of mess on our hands because people will not walk in the light of the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit is truth. And as the Lord tarries and we enter into this time of last days, perilous days, we need that. We need his light to walk in. You, look, because there's, there's going to come a point in time where you, na- you may not be able to be around other believers. There may be times where you have to make decisions without the ability to get counsel. You have to have that walk with the Lord. You have to be indwelt with the Spirit of God yourself. You have to be able to walk that walk with God. Have that relationship with God for the time in which we live. Those, listen, those that are unwilling, those that are unwilling that it's too hot, that's too hot. Look, you done touched my comfortable life. That's too hot for me. Because we haven't even got on the fact that God's holy and the things that God wants to work in our lives. But, and we'll get there, maybe not this service, but one soon. But God is holy and he has a certain standard. Not my standard, not your standard, not, the, not a denominational standard, but God has a standard in which we're called to live. It's, it's, it's God's thing. It doesn't matter what I think or you think or they think or it matters what God thinks. That's the standard we're called to live by. 
And without holiness, the Bible says, no, listen, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Man, that pastor, he's crazy. I mean, the holy roller, that church, the holy roller, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. I didn't write it. It's not my saying. It's God's saying. It's God's saying. And so we have to say whether we want God or not. And, and the, the fact of the matter is, in the last days, in the last days, this is going to be essential. This is going to be essential, whether we are filled with the presence of God or not. That's going to be essential. It's essential now, but it's going to be very essential soon. We're, we live in a day and an hour in which our nation is facing an unprecedented season. We live in a day and an hour in which our nation is facing an unprecedented season, but also the church in America. The church in America better, you know, get it right. Because our hopes are not in men. Our hopes are not in politicians. Look, God is going to be God and he's going to be on the throne whether America lives or not. You got to settle that. You got to get that settled. God is God, and he's going to be on the throne whether America exists or not. Now, we hope that it does. We hope America gets its act together. We hope. We hope. But our hopes are not on America. It's on God. Our hopes are not on politicians. It's on God. And, and we, we've come to a place in the church where we have sat on the fence and been content to have worship concerts while souls die. We've been content to clap and shout and march while babies are murdered. While sodomy is allowed in the country, in the nation, we've been content to have conferences and to puff ourselves up, pat ourselves on the back, instead of bringing the word of truth to those that are lost. And we're seeing the consequences for it. We've allowed, look, we've allowed our kids to get taught the, the lie from hell about evolution for 30 years. This, this lie began from a known atheist, Charles Darwin, and it has taught kids that the Bible is a lie. And it's been pumped in, the, in between the ears of children for 30 years now. Very first verse of the Bible in the beginning, God. Very first. And that lie is sought to destroy from the very foundation the first sentence of the Bible. Think about that. A kid that's been indoctrinated in evolution picks up a Bible, sees that very first verse, says, well, that's not true because my science teacher said in the beginning was a bang. In the beginning was a rock floating around. How'd the rock get there? They don't know. How was it floating? They don't know. What banged? They don't know. That's just what they said. It was a big bang. It's been a lie from the beginning. But look, the church is set on the sideline. We're over here clapping, shouting, building big buildings, making marble floors, while the world has been robbing a generation of young people. We're mad. We're just downright mad because they won't let those kids pray in school. But do we pray for the kids? 
Look, God's not bound by buildings. God can, look, the Spirit of God can move through bricks, if you don't know that. Just because the kids may not be able to pray in the school, you can pray for the kids in the school. It can go through the bricks. And, and the problem is we just sit on the sideline and complain. Um, politicians, they did this and politicians did that, but the church hasn't done anything. We've got more power than the politicians. We've got the Spirit of the Lord. We have the truth. We have the power. Oh, yeah, they make laws. They make laws, yes. But God said the king's heart is in his hand. It doesn't matter what the politician wants to do, and they want to do some mean stuff. This guy that, one of the guys that may be president, Joe Biden, he said he's going to seek to uh, decredentialize every Christian school. If you don't believe evolution, and if you don't accept LGBT, you'll no longer have any degrees, no longer have any scholarships, no longer be accredited. No homeschool, nothing. Where are we going to be? Are we just going to cry and try to write our politician? Look, we have to understand that, that whoever is the president of our country, his heart is in the hand of God. And God can turn that whithersoever he will. And we have the ability to come boldly before the presence of God and petition him and pray. And I want you to know our prayers have more value than any march that goes on at City Hall or at Washington, D.C. We can accomplish more by the prayer of the saints in the name of Jesus Christ than a million people marching on D.C. You can't lose sight of that. You'll lose the soul of the church if you do. Stop hoping in men. Return your hope to God, and you'll see God begin to do a work. But this generation is hoping in men, and it's going to be the downfall of the generation. This generation is hoping in men, and look, God's going to allow a man to rise. Hey, hey, look, if the church folks, those church folks that don't have the presence of God, that just are satisfied with a, a, a form of religion and not the power thereof. Those folks and the world, listen, listen. If we continue to keep our hopes in men and politicians, God is going to allow a politician to arise. And that politician is going to be the Antichrist. And he is going to win the heart of the people by force, by force. And, and, and a lot of us are like, oh, that, but people will flock to him. People will flock to him. Don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. Look, think about this. People are more upset right now because Christmas might be canceled and, and they're not letting people gather together at Thanksgiving. They have all these things come and take my turkey <laughs> all this stuff people are more mad because they are restricting thanksgiving and christmas than church what's the point of christmas if you don't have church honestly what's the point of thanksgiving if you're not thanking god and yet and yet people are more upset more upset 
because their holiday's being touched than the God of the holiday, the reason for the holiday, the hope of the holiday. And what we see here is that when, when we begin to shift our attention, our faith towards men, it, we're setting ourselves up to be taken under, to be taken under. Let me show you this right here. He says that he dwells in you and shall be in you. Now, that's important because there's coming a time there's coming a time in their life when the Holy Ghost won't just be with them, but will be in them, just like he came in that temple. The temple wasn't done until God was there, right? Now, turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. See, right now, this line of separation is hard for some to see. It's hard for some to see. Some people right now, it's hard for them to see because, look, you live in an hour in which the enemy is causing foggy head. He's causing people to be distracted. He's causing people to be sleepy. You, you could, you know, you could do anything right now. People just kind of daze out. The enemy, the prince of the power of the air, is well at work trying to distract people from the truth that can save them. There's a truth that can save you. It's hard to see right now, but there's coming a day when it's going to be as clear as a line in the sand. It's going to be as clear as a line in the sand. Watch this in Revelation 13, verse 7. Now this is... Well, let's look at verse 6. This is talking about the Antichrist. In case you're not familiar, Revelation chapter 13 is about the Antichrist and the false prophet. It's easy to remember, 13, right? It says in verse 6, And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him, that's the Antichrist, to make war with the saints. And to overcome them. And power, that's a key word, power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Look, in case you don't get it, that includes America. If America is still existing at that time. America is not the church. America is a nation. All nations are going to come under the power of the Antichrist. France will, Great Britain will, China will, all of them. If it's a nation, it'll come under his power. People today are looking for a political leader. There's one coming. There's one coming. If Jesus is not our hope, this guy will be our hope. If Jesus is not our hope, this guy will be the hope. Look, it's going to be as clear as a line in the sand. Watch this. It says, and all, somebody say all. all. You just said the Greek word for all. That's what it means. All means all. It says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life. 
of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. See, there's coming a day in an hour. If you're not right with God, you'll be right with the Antichrist. If you are not right with God, not filled with that temple, it can't be empty. It's got to be, it's got to house the presence of God in your life. You've got to have, listen, you have to have God in you. The Bible says Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's what it says. You have to have that inner witness of the spirit. You have to be born again, born from above. The spirit of God has to live in you. And if not, if not, you'll be on the side of the Antichrist. There won't be an in-between. You won't be able to say, well, I'll just kind of ride the fence. I know enough about God. I know enough about the Antichrist. I'll just kind of make my own way. Ain't going to happen. You're going to be on one side or the other. There's not a third side. It says all are going to be either the children of God, name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, or you're going to be down on your knees worshiping the Antichrist. Well, I would never worship another man. Yes, you would. Everybody's got a price. Everybody's got a price. And your price has either been paid by Jesus or you'll give yourself to the Antichrist for that price. Everybody's got a price. Once it comes to your livelihood, once it comes to your electricity, once it comes to your bank account, once it comes to starvation, once it comes to not having a roof over your head for your family, Everybody's got a price. Your price has either been bought at Calvary or it's going to be bought by the Antichrist. But everybody's got a price. And that's why it says right there, all are going to worship him, except for those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The only way you get written in the Lamb's book of life is to be born again. You don't get your name in there because you beg. You get it in there because you receive Christ. The only way to be born again is not to, you know, invite Jesus into your heart. That's not in the Bible. The way you get born again is to believe that he is God. He is the son of God, God incarnate, that he died on the cross for our sins. And that on the third day, he rose from the dead. You believe that and you confess him to be your Lord and Savior. And then you do what he says to do. Go to church, get baptized, take the Lord's Supper, those things. But it is imperative that we understand that line in the sand is going to be drawn. There's not a third way. There's not a, an, an avenue in the middle for the person who doesn't want to be, well, I don't want to be sold out for God, and I don't want to worship the Antichrist. There's not going to be room for you. There's not going to be room for you. I'm going to show you. There's not going to be room for you. M move over to verse number... Um, Let's see, let's move over to verse number 14. And now it's talking about what the false prophet does. It says, he deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Saying to them that dwell on the earth, now just pause for a second. This is not God. This is not a godly person, but he has power to do, quote unquote, miracles. If you follow after signs and miracles, 
you might follow the wrong sign and miracle. You have to follow the truth of the word of God and the spirit of God. Now he says, um, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, that's the Antichrist, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causes all, there's your word again, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Now listen to this. And that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Look, everybody's got a price because at some point in time, you're going to want to eat. At some point in time, you're going to want to drive to work. At some point in time, you're going to want some water. You're going to want a house to live in. At some point in time, you might need to go to the doctor. At some point in time, you might need something. And don't get caught up in, don't get caught up in having food for seven years. Because there will always be something that you need. If, if you think that you can preserve enough food and live in a hole underground, that's not the calling of our lives. God never told us to gather food for seven years, dig a hole in the ground, and wait it out. You're called to be a light in a dark world. That's what you're called to do. You have a higher calling than to live in a hole. Your calling is to be a light for a dark world to see Jesus. That's your calling. That's your calling. And if you miss the rapture, if you miss the rapture and you're here and you come up at this time, it's better to get your head cut off than to take the mark because that's the two options. Because at some point you're going to need something. You're not going to be able to buy or sell. You're not going to be able to do anything. They'll hunt you down. Oh, they won't hunt me down. I'm just a little old me. No, no, you don't understand the insatiable appetite of the Antichrist. He's been given all power on earth. Listen, over every nation, every kindred, every tongue, he'll have everybody's heart that is not God's. They'll find you. They'll find you. They'll find somebody. Look, here's a, here's a saying for you. Your mom might have told you. Misery loves company. You ever heard that saying? Misery loves company. When the people know they've received the mark of the Antichrist and they know somebody else hasn't, they're not satisfied. Same reason why kids get other kids to do bad stuff because they don't want to be the only ones doing the bad stuff. Same thing's going to happen. So look, nobody's going to be able to buy or sell without taking the mark. So the two options are take the mark and if you take the mark, you'll go to hell. Take the mark or have your head cut off. Take the mark or have your head cut off. But before all that is the rapture of the church. That's the blessed hope of the church. So hopefully and prayerfully, hopefully and prayerfully, you don't have this crisis. But I want you to see where the political system is leading. Right now, people are giving up their freedoms for money 
People are giving up their freedoms for money. They're saying soon and very soon. It could be that people, and, and now I'm not saying that the vaccine is the mark of the Antichrist. I'm not saying that, but I am telling you this. I am telling you this. The devil sees every window of opportunity to inflict this same scenario. And when people begin to manipulate power and cause you to do things to get what they have, that is a spirit of the Antichrist. I will say the spirit of the Antichrist is in our nation. And that's why it's important for us to be the church right now and to pray this thing out. But if we don't, it's going to get worse. But they're saying right now that people won't be able to fly unless they take a test and have the vaccine. They might even give freedom bucks. In other words, you won't get stimulus money. They're going to make everybody stay home. You're not going to get any money unless you have the vaccine and a negative test. And all these kinds of scenarios people are thinking up. Where do you think those thoughts come from? The spirit of the Antichrist. Once the Antichrist has that opening, he's going to inflict this on people. But it's a spirit that's in the air. It's a spirit that's in the air. Every evil person has desired to do this same thing and don't get look and don't get all republican versus democrat because everybody is a, a is a vessel okay the democrats didn't invent the lockdowns that came on behalf of a republican president so you know we have to see things for what they are and not put our hopes in men not put our hopes in men but what i am telling you is that if we don't watch out and we don't get prayed up and we don't get ourselves right, things will get worse quicker than you can think. Quicker than you can think. So what we see here is the Antichrist is going to cause everybody to take his mark or not eat or have your head cut off. So you're not going to be able to buy or sell without it. So where's our hope at, Pastor? Our hope is in the rapture. Our hope is in the catching away. Our hope is in God coming to get us. Amen? That's our hope. Now, we went through this last time. In, in, in Titus, it's called the blessed hope. That's the hope of the church. Um, no point in, listen to this closely, at no point in Israel's history did God ever pour out judgment on his righteous people. No point. From Lot coming out of Sodom and Gomorrah to Noah getting pulled out of the flood, all throughout, you'll always see it whenever God's pouring out judgment, he always pulls his people out first. And so we know that God's going to be the one pouring out the judgment on this last seven years. Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll close right here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So the, the, the key point is that we must have that inner witness of the Spirit in our lives. That is the only thing that's going to preserve your life. It's the only thing that's going to preserve your life. There's going to be well-meaning people that find themselves in front of the Antichrist that are going to have to make decisions. And look, if you can't make the decision to go to church right now, 
in a pandemic? What do you think is going to happen when you're not going to be able to eat unless you do what they say? You're not going to be able to cash a check unless you do what they say. You're not going to be able to do anything. So what's going to happen then? It's just going to get worse. It's going to get worse. So there's going to come a point in time when people are going to have to make a decision. Well, I want my kids to eat. Well, you know what? I want my kids to eat too, but I want them to go to heaven. I want them to go to heaven. Those are choices that people are going to have to make if they miss the rapture. I'll show you this right here. In, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, in verse number 7, it says, The mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now let it will let until he be taken out of the way. The word let it, as you know, that word let it means hinder. It means hinder. Anybody that's played tennis can tell you let means hinder. I never played tennis, but I know I've watched enough. But when they hit the ball and it hits the net, the umpire hollers, let ball. That means the net hindered it. So when the Bible says here, he who let it will let until he's taken out of the way, he's talking about the church. The church is hindering or letting, hindering judgment from falling on the earth. We are a city on a hill. We are a light for the world. We are salt to a decaying society. We are preserving this world from destruction. Because we're here. There's going to come a time when he that led it will get taken out of the way. And then what happens, pastor? What happens? Well, your options here are either the church is taken out of the way or the Holy Spirit's taken out of the way. Either way, the church is coming out because the Holy Spirit's in us. If you're, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit's in you. Unless you're an empty house, unless you're an empty temple. Now, here's the thing. What happens after that, Pastor? And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, listen, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. What's the truth? It's the Spirit of God. People that won't receive that Spirit of truth, people that won't receive God, people that won't surrender to God, people that will not, they're going to be deceived. It, there, there's going to be a cost, and they'll pay it to the Antichrist. He's going to have all the power. He's going to have all the power. After the rapture, he's going to have all the power. He doesn't right now. But once the church is taken out of the way, every nation, tongue, and kindred will flock to him. They will run to him. There's many reasons why. Many reasons why. Politically, he's going to have all the answers. Politically, he's going to have all the answers. There's going to be so much chaos in the world that people are going to run to him for the answers. 
There's going to be an economic crash. So much, they're going to run to him for the... He's going to have the appearance of having all the answers. They're going to run to him for... He's going to be able to unite all the world religions. You know the bumper sticker that says coexist? He's going to have that probably. But he's going to be able to unite all the religions. He's going to be able to unite all the politicians. He's going to be able to unite all the economics of the world. People are going to run to him. All those that do not love the truth, that do not love God, that aren't surrendered to God, that don't have the Holy Spirit, they will run like a magnet to him. So the key thing is, for the church right now, we have to let people know, save yourself while there's time. We have to let our loved ones, our brothers, our sisters, our neighbors, our city, this people of the city, they have to know the truth before it's too late. So we don't know when the Lord's going to take the church out of the world, but we don't want people to go through that. We don't want people to face those kinds of decisions. Can you imagine somebody that's been to church all their life but truly not born again and inhabited by the Spirit of God facing an hour in which they have to make a choice whether to take the mark of the beast and go to hell or watch their children starve to death. The sorrow that's coming on this world is nothing like it's ever seen. And this world has seen sorrow. These last seven years of tribulation are going to be sorrow upon sorrow. Nothing like it's ever happened. And yet, the church is just content to have conferences. The church is just content to play patty cake. The church is content to spend its time and resources on smoke machines. Rather than souls this is our call this is our time to get up and call people to be saved to say save yourself from this untoward generation this generation is not going towards god is this generation is running right into the trap of the antichrist its hopes is in politicians. Its hopes is in money. Its hopes is in the comfortability of this life. And that is exactly where the Antichrist derives his power from. So we have to be willing to let people know, look, you got to save yourself. Th look, this is, the, this is the story. Jesus is the life raft. He's thrown it into the water. You're drowning. And unless you take that, you're going to perish. Now, if the Lord tarries whenever you die, or if the Lord takes the church out, then. But it's coming to a place where we must use our voices, we must use our prayers, we must use the ability that God's given us, time, resources, talent, for the souls of others. It's coming to that hour where the church has to stop playing games and begin to cry out like John the Baptist, a voice crying in the wilderness. You know, John the Baptist wasn't the most popular. He was out at the River Jordan. But because he had a strong voice 
people flocked to him. And you'll be the same way. If you'll be a voice crying out in the desert, crying out in the wilderness, people who know time is running out, they will flock because they need truth. And if you have God, you have the truth that they need.